You have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight from the Chest Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host on this personal development and growth podcast. Listen, if you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. I want to take this time and, and thank you for giving me your listening ear. Your support of the podcast means a lot to me. And if this is your 200th time tuning back in or even your second time tuning back in, thank you for your also your continued support and listenership of the cast. It makes it, it makes things so much better on this end, and, and we just really appreciate it. And listen... If you value this podcast, please do not hesitate to share it with somebody. Link it to your stories on Instagram. Mention me at Justin Craig Groth, and I'll re-mention you in my stories, obviously. And uh, just link it anywhere, guys. If you have a Twitter, a Facebook, uh, anything, just link it. Help to generate more awareness of the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel. We're on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere as a podcast. We're likely there. And um, yeah, leave a comment for the algorithm. Like the shows, et cetera, et cetera. You know what to do. So without further ado, I want to bring in one of my buddies, uh, old time buddy from back in the day, probably like known this guy for 12 years, man. Johnny, welcome to the show, bro. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. So, um, look, I, I wanted to have you on the podcast like everybody, because you have a, a pretty tremendous story and it dates back. I mean, since before you turned an adult, uh, you went through some, um, pretty big trials, man. So, um, for people that don't know you, just introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Johnny, and uh, gosh, uh, been in local here in the 805 for, been born and raised, and then uh, moved away, separated from the area, uh, was in foster care, came back when I was 15, started back up at Rio Grande High School, um, and just from, if you knew me from that time, just to where I am now, just what I've grown into, um, gosh, I could not be more blessed. I'm a father. I got three kids of my own, um, beautiful kids. I got a seven, five, and two-year-old, two girls, one boy. Couldn't be more blessed. Motivate me every single day. Love you, kids. Um, that's who they I am. They will not listen. They will not be listening to this podcast. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you don't have to not. give them a shout out. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's me. Well, yeah, that's you in a nutshell, but that's not you, man. And we're going to get into what makes you you and, and what kind of cultivated you into the person that I see sitting in front of me now today. So you have a pretty incredible story about uh, staff. Let's start there. Man, that was back in 2010. Oh, boy. So at that time, God, I was 280 pounds and super overweight. Uh, I was playing sports, uh, getting to um, wrestling and um, just trying to get more active because I wasn't living a healthy lifestyle, um, but I was trying to like get into that rhythm of being more active, making friends with people. Because if you knew me back in high school, like I was not at all someone that you would feel like, well, I'm going to be friends with this guy. You know, like I just wasn't communicating. I had no... God, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, I was just so shy. You awkward. Know? And as, it was awkward. very awkward. Very awkward, to say the least. I mean, I went through so many different phases in high school. It's like I went from hick to emo, back to hick, then went to skater. I don't know, man. I was off the charts. Um, so what had happened is I got into a wrestling accident, and I had an orthoscopic surgery on my knee. 
and then I was doing fall ball for Red Granny High School. And as I was getting, I think I was running second or third base, but then I started realizing that my knee was getting swollen, my right knee. Um, well, that became like a balloon. And come to find out, this was three months after my surgery. Um, I was driving home from the ball field and I was in my pickup truck. And all I remember is waking up in a Red Granny hospital. Um, I ran into my grandparents' palm tree that they had in the front yard. Uh, bumper just taking out everything woke up and they said I had a very serious very serious staph infection that was going on that got to my bloodstream um, so they got me on the table they started doing some um, incisions and trying to get the infection out pumping me with medications and then it breached the MRSA uh, MRSA is a flesh-eating disorder and it got so scary to the point that I actually was going to lose my leg um, because it was eating flesh, it was getting to bone. Um, probably one of the scariest things to go through as a 17 year old kid, um, that a doctor comes in and he's like, Jonathan, you're probably going to lose your leg, you know? And so crazy. Cause I, I spent four months in the hospital between a red granny hospital and Santa Maria Marion hospital. And what had happened is I wasn't able to eat. I was going through feeding tubes. Um, I was rejecting food. I was very sick. Um, God, it's crazy. It's almost like it happened yesterday. And what had happened is I was eating at so much muscle mass and it was eating everything around me. It was attacking my heart. Um, God, we can get into all the detail about that. But what had happened is I had this guy, uh, one of my old youth pastors, his name's Eric Wildey. And he came in to see me when doctors were advising people not to come in and see me because well, it was an infection, you know, they didn't really know how crazy MRSA really was because it was still pretty fresh. Like I think staff, I could be wrong, but I remember it was so huge in 2008 when I first started high school and it was like the swine flu. If you got staph infection, like you're effed. Um, so then staff obviously progresses to MRSA if you're not taking care of yourself or and whatnot. And so I remember Eric shared with me this Bible verse in the hospital when he prayed over me. It was John 12, 35, 36, and can't remember word from word, but it was it was looking at the end of the tunnel. There's a light, and Jesus is going to be coming. And something in that verse just popped out at me, and just like my meaning to fight this infection and take the medications the doctors were giving me, eat the foods and try harder because I was at that giving up stage when I was in the hospital that literally like, and I was so depressed. I was so, because I spent my birthday, I spent Christmas. I mean, I spent all December all the way to March in the hospital and um, just trying to get right. And just going through the physical therapy process. I mean, I was in a leg immobilizer after shortly. Um, I didn't have to lose my leg, you know, but something from that point, just like God said, you got to do this. You got to fight. And so I did. And then I lost, uh, lost 90 pounds, uh, from the time that I was in the hospital. And That's probably a good thing though. Cause you're a fat shit. Dude. Holy <laughs> crap, bro. I mean, it, I was so huge, man. It was 280 is not healthy. No, though. it was not. I mean, going to Lopez and AG high school. I mean, first thing in the morning, I go stop by the, uh, donut store right here on right next to your shop oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then go get Papa Rockstar every, every effing morning, man. And that was just my lifestyle. And yeah, you know, smoking weed and 
you know, doing dumb shit and just hanging out with just the yeah, wrong just crowd, being, you know, just being stupid. Just being an idiot. I, mean, I, yeah. I, I like I was coming to the fitness nineteen, you know, but I just didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know. And at that As point, we all don't when yeah, we start. At seventeen, know? man, you know, once I started doing sports, I thought it was hot shit and just thought I knew the whole world. I mean, just who I was and just like how I was raised, you know. I mean, just I didn't give a fuck what people thought about me at that point, and I didn't. I mean, I was just a dumbass, you know, literally. So when I was going to the gym, it was just like, you know, doing some curls here, you know, for the girls and, you know, trying to get right. But then once I went through that traumatic experience, like my life just switched a whole 180. I mean, it was it was nuts. And that's when I started meeting you because I was going through the physical therapy, um, didn't know what the doing didn't know anything and this guy would be in the gym justin and uh god what an inspiration because honestly you know for for someone like me who's been judged who's had shit talked on who nobody really believed in back then if you knew me 12 years ago to who where i am today that justin was like that only person that actually gave a shit about my feelings and other people around him like he just had like when you walked in the gym like not a persona, but just like you knew that that workout was going to be right. And I knew every time that I was there, I was motivated because Justin easily could have charged me for personal training, easily could have charged me. I mean, God, probably thousands of dollars, you know, when I used his advice and stuff. And that was that one point in my life where having a peer like that just changed my whole perspective on not humbling, but having that empathy and that sympathy, not only for my sympathy for myself, but having that empathy for other people. And that was just a small step because as I was losing the weight and people were seeing me from before and after, I don't know, I'd say right after high school, about six months after I became a personal trainer and I became a personal trainer because I remember like Justin came up to me and he was like, bro, like all these people keep coming up to you for questions. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're motivating them, you know? And he's like, why don't you try personal training? And literally like I took on personal training because this guy told me to take it up and boom, freaking got this expertrating.org personal training certification. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our buddies, Nathan got it and Josh. I've back never heard of that. No, I don't know. So it's, it's, so it's something that like fitness 19 first, like they just need you to have a certification. So I got it. It was like an easy way in and then just trying to get my feet wet with clients and everything. Yeah. And then like six months later is when I got my uh, uh, NASM certification. Yeah. So, God, that was a bitch. Which yeah. is top tier. I mean, NASM, no, 100%. ISSA, top, ACSM, top tier. Uh, shout out to all them. Yeah, amen. Um, yeah, so, okay, so you were in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You lost 90 pounds. Mm-hmm. Then when you got out, is that when the whole pursuit for fitness The whole pursuit started? just to be a better person, not only for myself but you know for my loved ones around me and with that like was getting a mental check and was working out and being healthier because I mean going through all those EKGs feeding tubes MRIs you know everything like I I would not ever wish that upon anybody what I went through on my worst enemy and I just had to tell myself that I could not get myself to a point like that ever again um at least that's sick you know physically um and so here I am today, you know, um, haven't had Mercer staff since then. It's very, it's very easy to get once you, once you get it once, like oh, it's, really? you're very susceptible to it. Like, you know, God, I got it. If I get a cut in my knee, 
And then I'm, you know, wrestling on a, you know, say the pit, you know, I'm on their, you know, wrestling mats, not saying anything crap about the pit, but they're very clean, but any like type of bacteria that gets into a wound or anything can just, just like that, you know? So it's just being cautious, like, you know, washing your hands, you know, I was very religious with taking like three showers a day for a while and now I'm like down to two. Um, (laughs) But it's just, you know, for me, you can't be too clean. Like it's like. I, I'm yeah, you always, can. You can't. You can, sorry. You sorry. You can be too clean. Yeah, and, I am that person. You know, and and I hate your, life because of I it. I get it. I get it. But you know, I <laughs> and mean. I don't say that jokingly, bro. I, I say that jokingly, but but there's some serious to it. I am so obsessive compulsive about cleaning that it it sort of ruins my life to some degree. And I don't mean to be so bold about that and say it like that, but it's like it's sort of it's sort of true. Like it, yeah. it, it, it ruins things and it really bleeds time out for my day, et cetera. Right. But, um, God, once I started having kids and being clean was like, you know, as clean as I was once I had Marissa, I mean, your house is a fucking tornado. Like once yeah. you have kids, you know, yeah, so yeah. that my perception changed a little bit, you know, after I started having kids, but, um, yeah, but just, just getting right physically and we can get into that because when I was personal training, you know, God, I loved it. You know, when I was personal training, I felt like a God. Like I literally felt like, like everybody just came to me. Like they would come to Justin and ask us for advice. They would take on our advice and, you know, they would just go from there with personal training came a lot of trials. Um, you know, I was just a, just a bachelor really just right out of high school. And, you know, with personal training also came other things too. Like here I am, personal training somebody telling them how to live their lifestyle the same time I'm not living that same lifestyle I'm trying to portray onto them Mm -hmm. you know so for me personal training became I became fake and I I put out this image and this is just young personal trainer Johnny that that I was more okay this is how you got to eat this is how you got to work out at the same time I'm not following all that you know, and for me, like I was more of like, I felt like a life coach, you know, in a sense, like as a personal trainer for me, like, I feel like you have to be in a sense, a life coach, but for me, like you got to be real, you know, and, and I haven't personal trained God, probably since, since 2018. Um, and being said, cause I had a, again, fact check myself. I had to mentally check myself. Um, but with that, like waking up at five o'clock in the morning training somebody for an hour and a half, you know, eating crap and then coming back to the gym, you know, go grab a McDonald's, you know, McMuffin or something and then come back and, you know, just trying to like feed myself because personal training, like you gotta be real, you gotta be raw, you know, and you gotta be motivating at the same time. Like not everyone's workout works out the same. And also as we're training a lot of my own workouts into other people's regiments and just taking an easier route when it came to training my people. And this is just me being raw. Um, that I felt really guilty and I felt really hypocritical when I was personal training those years, uh, at least until after I stopped personal training because, um, yeah, I had this image of this motivating, inspiring personal trainer. Um, but deep down inside, I was fighting my own demons. You know, I was, I was going out, I was partying, you know, going to graduate, pounding four locos, you know, going to church, trying to live this image, you know, the Jesus Christ and also like teaching kids how to follow the ways of Christ. And it's like, 
Wednesday night after Wednesday night group teaching the kids, I'm going over the graduate for college hump night, you know, and that was, that was infectious because I was, I wasn't mentally right. Like there was just so many things like you go, at least when I went through as an adult that I seen raised up and I was in foster care. Uh, I had a lot of separation in my, in my life. I've had a lot of, um, um, disownment in my life and I was still kind of portraying that stuff inside me where I was trying to portray this other image and I was just being fake, you know, and I just wasn't that real person that people were seeing years ago. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know that about me because I, that's the way I feel because I felt like I could have been a better person, a better version of myself for my clients, uh, for my friends, for my family, those that were there to support me, those who motivated me. Um, I really wish they would have known the real Johnny Davis who I am today because at that point, like that unhealthy lifestyle I was living, you know, it, it just kept, it just kept going down. Um, and yeah, so what in 2018 when you were training or no, I'm sorry, this is pre 2018, like 2015, 2014, mm-hmm. shit like, like those mm-hmm. years, right? How old were you? God, uh, in 2012, I was, oh geez, when I graduated, I was almost 19. Okay. So, you so know, 21. early into your early, early twenties, mm-hmm. you know, like you were, not doing things that your older self reflects back on now and looks and says like, you're fucking up, man. You know what I mean? You weren't doing good things, but I would argue that we all don't do good things when we're twenties. I was a knucklehead too, just in my own way. I didn't, I didn't fuck up bad, bad, but I would argue that the only reason why I didn't was because I was raised in a nuclear and good household. Right. So that all has a lot to do with the, the equation. You know, you, you didn't have, that type of upbringing. Right. So you were already at a deficit and it's, it's, it's crazy that you came out of it the way you did being in the deficit that you were, because most people wouldn't have, wouldn't have cultivated themselves to be what you are now today. But so I understand your reflection back on it and saying, you know, I wish I would have been this blamed. I wish, you know, I was trying to promote such and such for an image. Well, yeah, we're all trying to fucking promote such such for an image because we're all trying to search for and find our identity. Right. That's all it boils down to is just we need to understand our identity, especially as a man, our place in the world. Like, right. where are we going? Yeah. What is this becoming? Our rite of passage. Lion King illustrates it real well. Have you ever watched Lion King? Yeah. Obviously you have. So Lion King, in obviously as a Disney cartoon, it doesn't seem like it's real meaningful but when you look at the actual storyline of it well obviously his dad dies because it's now Simba's job to right. take on the pride and it's and the only way that's going to happen is if he goes out on his own and he embarks on these foreign territories that are treacherous and threatening and he overcomes them to see what he's made of right. but he's also still searching for his identity his way his rite of passage in the world well that's analogous to you and I it's no different. It's just how we started off, right? That makes a big difference in our trajectory going forward. Right. And some people start off really, really well and they fuck their lives up. And yeah. some people start off really shitty and do great. For me, you know, 
we, we can get right down to the nitty gritty of it, you know. Um, but when it came to what situation I was raised in as a kid, you know, it. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna cutthroat. Like, I'm gonna give you the cliff notes. It was fucked up, and you know, I I don't put myself as a better person. Than anybody, I'm not saying that my life has been the worst than someone else's, but for the situation I was in seeing the separation, seeing the fights, seeing the drugs and alcohol, things like that, seeing what those actions did to have my parents fail to raise us was more of like a motivating turn point for me because we went through those problems. We went through those trial and errors. We were affected as kids, my siblings, um, with those actions that my parents made. And I just always promised myself that I wasn't going to be that father to my own kids not not as a person because don't get me wrong like i've lived my life in 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 my early 20s but the same time it's like i promised myself as a father or as a you know husband boyfriend whatever that i wouldn't portray myself that i would find my final image and be able to um be righteous and be sympathetic and be empathetic you know and be able to just grow from my parents mistakes you know i was in foster care uh, moving from home to home um and i was just a hard kid to deal with you know but i just had so many damaging things that were going on my life you know mom brought it up to me that my biological father at five years old was not my biological father she said that it was this guy and then that just damaged me as a kid as a young kid when did she tell you that i was five years old no when did she tell you that that part about your biological father at five, at f- I was five years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, man, you know, then it like really think about it. And then it got brought back up when I was 12. And at that point, just me and my mom's relationship and it, we were just button heads arguing. She was using drugs, abusing alcohol. And it just was so toxic in the household for me and my sisters where we got separated, um, due to some health issues in the house and stuff and, um, or health code violations. And, um, so we got taken out. I moved to Victorville. Um, my sister went elsewhere. Uh, so we got separated as a family. Sorry. We got separated as a family and, you know, was with a family for eight months in Victorville, then moved to another one, then that home for, God, probably two years, and then got out of that one, moved into another one for a couple of years, and then came back to my dad's house, which is when I moved to Red Granny High School. Um, cause he was clean and sober and courts granted him, you know, custody and stuff over me. And, um, and then he fell back short into the darkness and now he's just been kind of living that lifestyle since he fell back when I was 16 and still today. So what had happened is my mom told me about my dad not being biologically mine, damaged me as a kid. And then I lived. Okay. So then she told me it was another guy. And then, so my, this guy that my mom said was my father you know, we never took a DNA test. We compared baby photos. She's like, yeah, this is your dad. I know this is your dad. And so I built a relationship with this guy um, shortly after my other father. Okay. So my one that was on my birth certificate is the one I moved in with at 15. Mm. That's the one that my mom told me was not my biological father. Oh, really? Right. So after my dad shortly uh, fell back into the darkness, into his drug abuse and stuff, I actually seeked out for this guy that my mom said was always my dad. And we have photos from growing up. This guy would come over to our house when I was growing up as a kid, you know, always called him uncle, all this other stuff, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, like a best friend to my mom, you know? 
So come to find out, this guy ended up being my pops, built a relationship with him. This guy from 16 on until, God, 27, 27, no, 26. Um, it, the whole family on that side, my dad's side was, you know, at the wedding, um, the one who I just built a new relationship with, you know, he was at our wedding, me and my, me and my ex's wedding and, um, you know, been raised around my kids, all this other stuff. Well, uh, he passed away of pancreatic cancer in 2018 and that was really really just crazy for me because it's like I literally only had 10 11 years with this guy and I wish I would have known more there were questions that I had for him things I wanted to ask things I wanted to say you know I was still upset I was still angry you know but then again I was like I felt this terrible loss because not only did I lose somebody but also my four other sisters lost somebody my nieces and nephews lost, you know, their, their, you know, their grandfather. And, um, it was just heartbreaking, man. And then, um, about a year later in 2019, my mom went over to her house just to say what's up. And she just felt really bad. Like she was just crying and just upset. And I'm like, mom, what's up? And she's like, Jonathan, like Scott wasn't your dad. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, can we like replay this? And she's like, I don't think Scott was your dad. I think it was somebody else. I won't list any names. Um, so when she said it was this other person, which is the third person involved, I was just like, dude, I'm almost 30. Like we got to stop playing this game. And at that point order ancestry DNA kit. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to figure out what's really going on. Brother. I felt like when I got those results, I had a different nationality. I was like, you know, my family's from like across the world or something. Like there's no way. Cause come to find out. The original fellow that was on my birth certificate ended up being my father and from the time that my mom told him that I was five years old until I was 27 there was so much disownment in my family even when I was living with them for that short time when I was 15 to 16 that I felt different like when I was in that household as a teenager like I didn't feel like I was a part of the family because what I knew in the back of my head that this guy wasn't my father, right? I played that in my head. I reacted towards it. You know, there were things that he would tell me as a fatherly figure that I would just erupt on and I would take out on my grandparents, on my other family members, on him because I was just such a damaged kid. And to find out that he all along was my father when I was 27 was like <laughs> crazy. You know, because um, I mean, the DNA kit didn't lie. I mean, I linked up with a sister who I thought was my half sister and ended up being my full sister and linked up with some other uh, cousins and an auntie of mine. And that's crazy. Yeah, man. So and getting into that, what had happened is I got with um, uh, with with my current ex situation. Uh, my wife uh, was married to her for five years. Hey, love you. You're a great mom, you know, um, but what had happened shortly after that is when I got linked up on ancestry with my auntie, my auntie asked me like, you know, Hey, like what's going on in your life? You know, what's new? We haven't talked in years. What's going on? And you know, and she was just super excited that this is like behind us now that we actually know now who you are, who you belong to and whatnot. I was like, yeah, no, I got, I got two kids. I had two kids at the time. I was like, yeah, I got two kids. I got a beautiful girl, beautiful boy. Um, uh, you know, at that time, I think my daughter was four and my son was maybe almost three. And my auntie's like, Jonathan, like, 
one sec, like, is that your daughter? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, son, like, come on. I'm like, really, like, is that your daughter? And I was like, yeah, why not? And she's like, come on, like, she's got different skin complexion, you know, like, she has different traits. You never thought anything. Never thought anything, bro, honestly, because, and this is, and getting into this, like, when I first figured out I was going to have a kid, this was like the peak of my shitheadness, like the, the like the like who I was as a person, like partying and you know living this image as this personal trainer that other people were seeing, but they weren't seeing what was actually happening inside me. This was like the stopping point because having a kid is right. what switched my life like that, right. and that's where I was like, okay, I gotta stop what I'm doing. I gotta you know do what's right for my new family about to be um, upon me, and uh, so you know me and the wife got married, you know, I proposed to her just like, you know, I just thought was traditionally, you know, just how my grandparents were, you know, just traditionally just asked my, you know, lady to marry me cause we're going to have a kid. And so come to find out, uh, my daughter was four. Um, my now ex-wife brought up that, um, that she was not biologically mine. And as history basically has repeated itself. Um, sorry, it's kind of emotional. Um, it, it sent me through a spiral because here I am. I changed my life because I had to do it for my daughter and for my son. And believe me, like I didn't see the signs. I didn't like, I honestly, on God, on on God's hand, I did not see the signs until I started seeing my son grow up. And then we had another daughter, you know, different complexion, you know, and it damaged me, man, because literally what I went through as a kid and how I grew up was because I was so damaged over what my mom told me at such a young age that, you know, my biological father was not my biological father. And it, it hurt me so much as a person that, um, I promised myself that my kids would always know who their dad was. And when this happened, I mean, brother, I went through such a spiraling depression. I went through so much heartache. I went through um, so much mental health problems, you know, where I just was not strong enough. And I'll get into this. Um, I was just not strong enough as a person to be someone's trainer. I was not strong enough to be someone's father. I wasn't strong enough to be someone's husband. I wasn't strong enough to be myself because I was just going through so much. I just lost my father, you know, uh, lost my grandmother, um, two grandmothers. Um, and then coming to find out that my daughter was not biology. Mine was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever been through in my life. Um, so I went through a counselor, tried to get some help. Uh, then went through um, a psychiatrist um, after my counselor's like, no, Jonathan, just find coping methods. You got to find a, a directive, you know, when you're going through your episode. And when I say episode, like when you're just like shutting the whole world out or you got things coming at you way too fast, like go take a walk, go work out, go do something. I just didn't listen. And so I started medication and that fucked me up. Like it fucked what kind me of medication up. Were you on? Brother, I was on mood stabilizers. Um, I was on, uh, I was on Vraylar, Abilify, Prozac, uh, uh, Boost Bar. I don't know if I said Velbutrin. I was on Clonopin, um, uh, Xanax, 
uh, dude, I was on I was on medications that the FDA just approved, and my insurance was not going to cover it, and it was going to cost me fourteen hundred dollars a month just to be able to take these medications, just so I can feel normal. And it made me a fucking zombie. And I didn't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I was selling cars. I was personal training. And it literally just took everything out of me. It took my soul out of me. And I literally felt like I was just damaged goods. And literally like I was just under this cloud all the time. And I mean, it was so bad. They put me on a cocktail. This was about maybe a year I was going through this medication trial. And whenever I told them a symptom that I was having, um, I'm not going to name any names of psychiatrists, um, local here, but, um, he would basically just take this one out without tapering off of it and then just throw this one in. And it just threw me just in the spiral. I was thinking suicidal thoughts. I was just not myself. Like I How was, old were you at this point, this was 2000 and 2019, 2019. I was 19. We're, we're talking. That's when you found out you weren't the father of the child that you had been raising for how many years? At that point, four. And this woman had no children prior to you? No, had one. Had one. Yeah, my, step, my, my stepson. Today, I mean, no matter what, as I'm going through the separation, Matthew, I love you. I know you're not probably watching this, but you were my boy forever. Uh, you, you helped me become the person I am today. Um, he's 11. So my oldest daughter, who is non-biology mine um she's seven that's still my girl no matter what guys as you're hearing this like that girl is still daddy's girl like that does not change like i have never treated matthew ari even my own kids different from the other and no matter what as i'm going through the separation with my current wife ari liam and riley those are mine and matthew you're always gonna be in my heart you're my boy um, but as we go through the separation, like, you know, Ari is in that package, you know, like that is my girl. That is my number one. That is my first love. Um, sorry. I, I was, yeah, you're saying something. that's the one that's not biologically yours. Correct. Right? Okay. And you know that the other ones are biologically yours. Yes. Okay. So when she told you that and that kind of, that's honestly most men's ultimate fear is knowing, and it's it's more of a fear when they, you know, the more investment they put into the child. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that that I I can't understand what that means. But and I have no children because I have no children, obviously. <laughs> but that must been, I mean, heart wrenching, man. And but what do you do at that point? You know, you've already invested so much time and in, into this and love into this person. You can't just like no, I you mean. Know? God, the the human heart is so fragile, and yeah, but the mind is very strong. The mind and the, the mind dictates what the heart does. A hundred percent, you know. But for someone like a seven year old girl to, I'm sure she's asking questions. I'm sure she's gonna wonder. You know, she's gonna ask me one day when she's a teenager, like, "What's the deal? What's the story?" You know, and I'm still not prepared to even talk to her about that because even even still today, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to. You look at my kids, look at my social media, you see it. You see it. Like it's it's clear as day. Like there's no there's no around it. But no matter what, like that girl is mine, you know? And but getting back to the breakdown of what happened with the medication, you know, I was going through anxiety attacks, panic attacks. I mean so bad, Justin, that I mean, one, for first off, 
uh, I was getting ready for competition before all this stuff happened. Um, and, uh, like for bodybuilding and I was at 185 soaking wet, 5% body fat, um, ready to go. And then this whole thing just went through a spiral turn where I stopped going to the gym, got so sucked into my depression that then I, my, my heaviest last year was 260 pounds. So I basically just regained all this fucking weight that I had. I did regain it before at one point when we were pregnant with Ari, right? But it was like it was like 40 pounds that I just lost. It was nothing, you know? Like that was one thing. The difference what happened now was that those medications, I wanted to die every single day and I was so dependent on those medications because of the cocktail sauce that I was in that I had to take something in order to just walk out my fucking door and just go down the street. Like I was having, I don't know if you ever seen uh, Shameless and um, mm. Frank is dating this one woman who has fear of leaving her fucking house and is taking one step at a time each and every day. So it takes like a year before she can actually like go like three blocks. Jeez. Brother, it literally felt like that. Like I could not go without a panic attack a block down my fucking street because I had the fear of passing out or dying. Um, and I was just cause how bad the fucking medication fucked me up, you know? And you were suicidal. You said, yeah, I had some, I had suicidal thoughts, you know I mean? Suicidal and name and say how it is. Um, but literally I just felt like I lived my whole life to this point to always have my kids know who their dad is because what I went through all these years was so painful and damaging to me that I would never wish it upon my worst enemy. You know what I went through? Cause it was, it was damaging. I always had some type of mental health issue because you know, of the damages, you know, mental health is, is such a psychological thing that, you know, people are not, it's a stigma. Like, I don't know if you heard Patty Pimblett, but it's a stigma out there in this world that people are not willing to talk about that. They're so sucked up and they're afraid of what people are going to think about them. That is what I was going through. Like I was so fucking scared of being this personal trainer for all these years. And people knew me as fucking Johnny Davis. People knew me as this motivational, inspirational person, you know, training Kevin Aiken to lose a hundred pounds, all this other stuff. Like that was, that was my tip. My, that was my tipping point in my personal training. Did he lose a hundred? Yeah, you know, he, okay. he yeah, yeah, he, it, you know, love you, Kevin. You know, he, he went through his own little thing, um, and then you know, been trying to go back and forth with this thing, um, so I don't know where he's at now with the whole working out thing. We see each other in town. I mean, you know, um, he's still going through his his trial and errors, you know, but still, from where he was when I first started personal training, he was literally just like didn't want to talk to anybody, super shy. I think what I helped him do was get out there more and be more social more confident. And, and more confident. Exactly. You know? Um, so that's what I did for Kevin. So, you know, Kevin's a grown man now and you know, he knows how to work out and it's going to be on him, you know, whether he's losing the weight now or if he has already lost his goal weight or if he just doesn't want to do it, you know, Hey, go for it. That, that, you know, he's, he's own man now, you know, he doesn't want my help no more, you know, but I'm also not offering personal training anymore either. So, um, <laughs> So back to that, um, the medication aspect of it, I was watching this show. It was like some making a murder or something, or I can't remember. It was, it was something, it was like a murder documentary series. And one of the episodes literally talked about like two of the medications I was taking about this guy who killed like three people and he was on medication. He was on like the same shit I was on. And I'm like, Jeez. whoa, hold the fuck on. 
you know, I mean, documentary. It wasn't no TV. It was a documentary. And I was just like, babe, am I not taking the same amount? And she's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, no fucking way. At that point, it was like, when I started taking what Tim Shenberg, my past counselor, said about learning a coping method. And so without due, like, you know, in, in those few months, I was learning how to taper myself off because my psychiatrist still wanted me on those medications. It was kind of sickening, like how the psych, you know, psychiatric, you know, the world works when it comes to medication. Like I personally, this is my own personal opinion. Like I just think psychiatrists are out there just to make a dollar off of medication. That's just me just because of how I was treated as a patient, um, that the medication world is just so, so corrupt, you know, like literally like I was on so many different medication, bro. So many in a year and just an unhuman amount. It was alien, um, that learning those coping methods getting back into the working out thing was the only way that I was going to be able to free myself and learn how to eat better. Um, you know, I learned how to work out again. And at this point working out the old Johnny Davis was the aesthetic look because the six pack, the ripped abs, the, you know, the big arms, all this other shit. Like I only did it for the aesthetic look. Yeah. There was some mental check with it too, but I wasn't focused on the mental check for me. I wasn't focused on mental health. I mean, I'm in my thirties now, like mental health is my number one thing today is making myself mentally check for my day. Owning a business now, being there for my kids as a father, being the best version of myself, not only to me, but also the other people's around me that having that mental health strong is what matters to me now. Cause I never want to go back to that point where I'm dependent on Xanax or, you know, Zoloft or, you know, um, uh, boost bar, Velbutrin, you know, all those medications I was on, like, I never would want to go back to that point ever again. Um, so working out, running, eating right foods, things like that, that's where it's gotten me right now today, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. The, the path that, that we can choose to take that leads to destruction or the path that we can choose to take leads to freedom, man. And, um, it's not, it's not an easy choice, man. I mean, but the fact that you, the thing that's crazy to me, and this is what it was, this is something that is kind of, this is like a, this is a, a glaring idea that well, I don't understand how someone in your position didn't do something stupid like really stupid and the fact that you didn't do anything stupid when you were under so much medication and what has happened in your life pre this medication is is quite fascinating that nothing Nothing orchestrated itself into a, a, a level of situation for you, bro. It crossed my mind. It crossed my mind. I mean, there were stupid things I thought of, but you know, God was on my side, you know, and that's one thing I can say is that God overall has been the biggest support for me, you know, because I prayed, bro. I mean, I was having panic attacks and I would pray, I'd pray, God, please don't take me, you know, please help me find a solution for this problem. You know, there were, there was dumb shit I was thinking, you know, and like you're right you know but same time like i always had that thing where this image you know i don't want to be fucking on ksby 
you know, for doing something stupid or killing myself or doing, you know, because, I mean, look how mental health has taken off now with the whole COVID pandemic. You know, it's crazy. I don't know. I've seen two friends that have passed away in the last six months from suicide. You know, it, it's so nuts. And But they're getting blown up on slow PD and KSBY. Like, I don't want to leave my kids with that image of me. I don't want to leave this earth that people, you know, that literally every memory and everything that I worked so hard to get to at this point, gone. You know, and that's where I'm at. You know, I don't want just because my mom hurt me, just because my dad damaged me, doesn't mean that I wouldn't damage them back. You know, right. because I wouldn't want to put them in what I went through as a kid. You know, and even today, my parents are still kind of like you know over their head on you know how they think I felt as a kid, but they really don't know the damage that they they put on me as a child, and even growing up to you know having my ex-wife you know go through again. My ex-wife is a great mom, hands down. You know, but, you know, her family thinks that I should just forgive and forget, you know, like you can't just fucking forgive and forget, forget what, forget that what happened with my oldest daughter, you Mm -hmm. know, like I guys that still goes through my head every single day, you know, and it goes through my head because I'm trying to plan out and I overthink, you know, the day that that comes when she's asking me, you know, daddy, you know, are you my real daddy, you know, and Again, like Justin said, like that is the biggest fear I think for any man to ever go through is having a child, raising them, and then finding out that all along this child wasn't yours. You know, that is some damaging shit. Yeah, bro, because and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing because I'm just like, holy fuck. You got to think of all the other people in my family and the friends that have been surrounding this little girl's life. Now, they still love her unconditionally, you know, and I still love my daughter unconditionally. That is my girl. She still carries my last name. That is my baby. Um, but, you know, it's it put me through a spiral of just, you know, mental health problems, you know, and also losing my pops, you know, and then finding out that he wasn't actually my biological father to find out that the person that was originally on my birth certificate is actually my father this whole time. Look how much damaging that was to him. I mean, honestly, you got to think of it this way. My father right now is a drug abuser. OK. Imagine what he was going through is the same shit I was going through at his age but I chose a higher path than he did because I'm learning from my parents mistakes as we were talking earlier in the podcast was you know I've seen things the damages that drugs and alcohol and the abuse that happened in our homes moving from home to home that I took things from those problems and I made them to solutions and what I need to do to be a better person for myself well just just those memories of having it, like going back as I'm getting older and be like, okay, well, I should not be doing this. Don't smoke meth. Don't do heroin. You know, don't drink this excess amount of alcohol, you know, uh, 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 you know, don't hurt people, things like that, you know? And I just saw those as, as I, I just saw those as, um, solutions for what my parents put us through and what I want to be as, as a father. And that still lives on with me today because literally everything I do right now today is not only to better myself, but to better be a better person for my, my kids, but to give them the best life possible. And as me and my ex are going through the separation, it's been so, I'm not going to say humbling, but I'm going to say rewarding in a sense to, I am growing by myself now for my kids and I'm with my kids every day still, um, but I'm able to learn about myself and what I can do 
and what I can grow into because I'm still not my final image yet. Like this is just, this is just a Johnny that is raw right now. And this is the best Johnny that anybody and anyone, if you saw me two years ago, get to know me now because who I am now is a complete different person than I was two years ago because I'm literally living for mental health. I'm living to better myself. I'm living to help people. Um, and just what I post online and things like that, that learning to do coping methods and stress is literally the best thing that I can have in my life now is learning how to cope with stress. And every day is a new challenge for me when it comes to the business. Like, yeah, I get dickhead customers every single day, right? But it's learning how to be comfortable around that and also learning how to still provide that excellent service and at the same time, you know, just not making a horrible day out of it, you know, cause not letting somebody, not letting haters, not letting bad customers, not letting people just ruin that day for you, you know, cause I used to do that all the time, bro. I used to care what people think all the time about me. Like when I was in the, in my first personal training stages, like if someone said, God, that guy's a fucking shithead. I took that shit to heart. I took that shit to heart. And that was one of my weaknesses. Then I can still have a little issue with it, but from where I am now today, growing as a man and as a father and just as a business owner, God, I mean, I'm just blessed, you know, 100% just from where I was just a few years ago with my mental health issues to where I am now, I've grown so much than just from a baby to a man. It's really like, this is the most growth I've had in the last few years. And I have to be proud of myself because literally anybody can do it. Just like Patty said, you know, after his UFC fight, like there is such a stigma out there right now with mental health that men and women, because he said men, but women are also going through this issue where they don't feel comfortable in talking to people, that they're so trapped inside themselves that they're just so sucked into this mental health spiral that they don't want to talk about it. And if you are out there and you are struggling just like I was, the best thing that I could have done was being open that I was struggling. That was a huge thing for me was being open about my struggle that I literally every day woke up and did not want to be awake, right? I made a post the other day about if you woke up today, you did it, pat yourself on the back. Something like that can go so far for somebody just just noticing that maybe one day they're having a bad day and you never know what's really going and cooking on inside them, you know? And that's so huge for me because I literally never believed in anxiety panic attacks until I started fucking having them and then going through that mental health spiral that people that noticed that I was having a hard time, thank you so much for giving me that little bit of hope to move forward. And thank you to my kids um, for motivating daddy every single day to be the best version of himself that he could be and still helping me grow today. Because without you, I wouldn't be here today. So, um, and that just goes along for anybody. You know, if there's anybody out there that's having mental health problems, you could find me on Facebook, Instagram, take my number, DM me. Everyone to talk, everyone to talk to Justin. I mean, we're all here to hear out your, your thoughts and your feelings and stuff, you know, and that's one thing I appreciate Justin so much because I'm not, I will not entertain anybody, especially, <laughs> especially because people are fucking whack jobs. Yeah, man. But... And, uh, I don't mean any disrespect, but, uh, there are definitely whack job people in the world, especially when you're on social media. So you want to be careful about what you say, but you screen them obviously. And you choose to interact with them, you know, yeah, depending totally. on what they ask you and how they ask you, you know, but, um, yeah. So, but I'm sorry if you just killed your family and you're hitting me up to yeah, give some right. advice. I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> Block. Um, but um, you know, what helped me growing up as a as, as a kid, as a teenager, were 
I had peers in my life, grown men that helped me. I can list the name of them. Larry Weemers, Eric Wildey, Justin Groth, you know, people that fucking motivated me because they were there to give an open ear and give me great instruction. I mean, I don't know how many times I came in so fucked up, like depressed or just going through something in my life. And Justin would just fucking stop right there and in the middle of his workout and just fucking pray for me. And that went so far, Justin, you know, I've already done my tearing, my crying with you, you know, on how I felt about it. I mean, Justin's a genuine hero, you know, at least to me, you know, and, and it goes so far for me to hear how successful he's doing with this podcast and what he's doing for other people too, because it goes a far way, goes a long way. And for someone like me who went through the mental health, like brother, like when I was going through all that crap, seeing what you were doing still and motivating people, I mean, fuck, I don't know how many days I thought about you. It was like, God, like I want to get back to where I was because Justin helped me out, you know? Because Justin's still growing. You're still growing today. You know, like you're still growing into this, you know, one day this perfect image or this, 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 this person is his final form. I want to call it, you know, I mean, I think we all are still, you know, I think we're also working on ourselves still. I'm still working on myself today. And Justin was definitely a motivating fact, a motivating factor for me to get better. You know, I mean, just one of the many motivating factors that I had. Um, and just how I wanted to live my lifestyle, you know, not be in my parents' shoes, doing drugs, you know, living off a of low income EBT, not putting my kids in foster care, you know, things like that. Like, you know, Justin may have had a good home, but he also has a good heart, you know, and that's one thing I want to carry on with my life is having a good heart and sharing that empathy, that empathy and that sympathy for others, you know, um, yeah, so I appreciate you. Man. I appreciate that, man. 100%. That's very, very humbling to hear you say, man. I would say that the most proudest moment I had of you was when you started your business. And I would go out on a ledge and say that that's the reason why you have cultivated this other image of, of yourself because this business has given you purpose and meaning and it's showcasing that you actually are competent at something and you can or be original or be original for your own self you know uh mental mental state you can sure. be your own self and you started this business and the fact that you are immersed in it every day as you are that's probably what's driving you continuously to become more better in other avenues of your life. Yeah. But before, because the thing that I, I see that's very, it's, it's very, the thing that's almost very, um, I guess the thing to recognize here is before you had the business, you were kind of wayward in what you did. And, it wasn't that you didn't put your all in the things you did pursue, but the fact is you didn't stay with them that long. Right. But it was only because you were young, trying to find your identity, trying to find your role in life. Amen. And obviously having kids was the catalyst, I'm sure, to being able to, to take on the provisionary aspect for them. You know, you're now a, a man, you're have a household you have to provide for etc so you obviously jump into those shoes as the man and provide right. and 
that's another reason what that's probably what led to the to the whole developing the business yeah you know because that's something that is very meaningful to men is having something that they build that's themselves and the more men that don't operate that way and don't develop something for themselves are very lackadaisical very much wayward in life because ultimately they're trying to search for that specific identity that they fit in or their tribe, so to speak. Well, if you're a standalone type of guy, like you are, you don't really have a tribe, man. You have to make your own tribe. And oftentimes we do that, but that's hard to do that. It's hard to stand alone and it's hard to, to create your own tribe. But you were able to do that. And I would argue that that's the reason why you're so strong and powerful now in terms of your direction, your navigation, your demeanor towards everything, because you have this to levy on. That's the thing that's giving you hope. That's the thing that's giving you purpose. That's the thing that's making you wake up every day with strong desires to be better. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore because I told myself before I was 30 that I was going to have to have something figured out, you know, and I always just felt like I was on a clock you know, when it came to what my purpose was going to be and what I was going to do with my life. Doesn't mean that this business is going to be, you know, something I do for the rest of my life, but getting my feet wet, opening a business, having a purpose, like waking up every day, answering phone calls, making estimates, you know, putting bids out there, you know, it's rewarding because like just alone last week, you know, I mean, did 1800 in sales, you know, I mean, that's big for me. That's, that's a big pat in the back for me because just, five months ago, I'm like, fuck, when am I going to get busy? You know, I may be doing like a house a week. Now I'm doing at least one to two houses a day, right? I'm getting calls all the time to do estimates, all the times to put in bids. And it's been so rewarding because what's the worst people are going to say? No. Okay. Move on. But what's, what I'm getting out of it is noting, is knowing your self-worth, right? Just because this guy does it for a hundred dollars cheaper. I'm sorry, but my, my, my business, my way of doing things is more valuable not only to me as a person, but to my business as well, where my product and what I do, you know, um, you're going to get the best solution when you choose me. So, or better business when you chose me. And, um, and so there is a purpose with me, you know, running this business because I'm so eager to see how it grows and how it walks on its own. Um, like I'm sure your experience with, you know, you starting your, you know, personal training studio and stuff, you know, it's, I'm sure it was so like, holy shit, this is a risk, you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah, but and fuck then, it, man. What else you know, am I going to do? I mean, a hundred percent, you know, I talked to a kid the other day who was doing this food truck for his friend, man. And, you know, he was so bummed out because they had to split ways and, but he wasn't a business owner. And all this time I thought he actually owned the business, but he was just an employee for this guy. So I read into him at the bar and I'm just like, Hey, what's up, bud? He's like, well, me and this guy separated. So we're not, you know, doing the food truck thing anymore. He's moving on with somebody else to the food truck. I'm like, I thought that was yours the whole time. He's like, no, bro. I was just working for him. I'm like, bro, like my best advice to you because you're 25 and I'm 30 is take the fucking risk. What's the worst that's going to happen? Okay. Cause risk comes, cause with risk comes success. And that's what I'm learning. And this job, this business that I'm in right now could easily just tank. Okay. I'm in the window cleaning, solar panel cleaning, soft wash, pressure washing business. And I haven't witnessed what a fall and winter time looks like. Right. I could easily have a shit fall, shit winter, but at the same time, I'm still going to push every single day until my CPA says this business needs to drop dead because, you know, yeah, 
I feel like I'm successful, but being that I'm new into this business, I still got to worry about overhead. I still got to worry about my expenses, what I'm putting into the business, what I'm putting out of the business, what I'm getting, giving myself, you know, to support my kids. So those are things that you run into your head every single day, but you could own a hot dog cart and probably make more than me, you know, as a window washer, but you never know. It's just, you know, how you put yourself out there in the market. You know, I'm on Yelp, Google, um, next door. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all this stuff. And as a new business owner, keeping up on social media, like I used to be really good at it and then I struggled with it. And now I'm struggling even harder with it because even five minutes out of my day to go post something, like I forget, you know, cause I'm doing something. I'm on a roof cleaning, you know, bird shit, solar panels, you know, which, I actually get some type of enjoyment out of, um, but I told this kid, like, take the fucking risk. Like, if there's anything I can tell you, what, you're going to have $3,000 in overhead, get yourself a pickup truck, get yourself a Blackstone from freaking Walmart, and start selling some goddamn hot dogs out at the fair or farmer's market, whatever you got to do, like, get your name out there, you know? I mean, literally, like, I'm going to be honest with you, like, I had a buddy last year that told me, hey, own your own business, and I'm like, ah, well, he's like, well, I'll help you out, Right? Well, he's like, well, I'll do this. And I'm like, okay. And started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't want help from anybody. So he was like, have you thought about pressure washing? And I was like, no, like what's good with pressure washing? Yeah, I enjoy pressure washing, but never thought it'd actually be like a business. Pressure washing buildings, pressure washing, you know, uh, uh, commercial buildings, you know, roofs, all that crap. Um, this is before gas and water went up. Uh, so I started this thing up by just watching YouTube. So I started off in a... 2003 Ford E350 junk pile of ass. I mean, it, it literally pile of just shit. And this thing was literally just filled with a carpet cleaner inside of it. Wasn't working, you know, probably had 2000 pounds inside the goddamn thing already. And then it's probably running maybe six to eight miles to the gallon on this truck. Mm-hmm. Right. And all I did was just throw a fucking pressure washer in from Home Depot, some chemicals, a wand and on my way, I'm ready to go. Well, the water usage and the gas shot up this point i'm like what am i gonna do because now instead of charging you know i'm gonna be real probably like 35 cents a square foot for commercial cleaning um now i'm charging like 45 50 cents a square foot so i'm like okay people now think i'm raping their pockets but now we went from 330 a gallon up to 550 a gallon you know gas like that destroyed me so i'm like what am i gonna do so i was like man like what additive services can i add and then window cleaning came up so i learned window cleaning through youtube 100% 100% raw right now. I learned window cleaning and solar panel cleaning through YouTube. And I literally just took some money of mine that I put away when I was bartending at the Moose Lodge. And I just went whoa, 10 grand into this crap. And I just threw in on some water fed equipment and deionized tanks and reverse osmosis tanks. And, you know, literally just, I probably bought like $2,000 worth of just squeegee equipment and just went for it. Like my first house, horrible horrible i was like what the fuck am i doing and then literally these people were like oh my god like our windows never look so good so i was like maybe i'm doing something right and then i started getting to like the detailing parts of it getting the streaks off the windows cleaning the tracks making them look brand new things that can be an additive service overall because i was really undercutting myself when i started estimating jobs like people were like yeah no we'll hire you yeah 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 because the other guy's like 50 bucks more than you, you for your price and i'm like okay then i started realizing like well i'm only making like 18 22 bucks an hour right now that's not going to pay for fuel it's not going to pay for you know my lunch you know i had to figure out you know i'm going to pay taxes on this you know usually california is probably like 18 20 on taxes at the end of the year 
So then I started raising my prices and now I'm the asshole that is more than the other guys, but it's like, I still feel like I'm not enough because now I'm putting value into my business. Now I know how to clean a damn window. I mean, it's, I mean, I make windows look sexy, you know, I make them look good. And, and that's one thing I can take home every day that what I've put into and self teaching myself this business in a matter of a year, you know, and then where I'm at today doing a house every single day. I mean, I get calls to do houses on Saturdays and Sundays and, um, I don't know without getting around the bush, but I could not be any more blessed than I am right now being from where I started from yeah. and to where I am today, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's facts, man. I, I, you remind me of a buddy of mine, Austin, that I had on the podcast, shout out to Austin quality tinning in San Louis. He, provides a tinning service he provides mm -hmm. many services over like 50 services oh he's good belt. yeah yeah and the thing about austin is he'll always tell people if there's a point of contention with the price with the customer in him he'll just essentially say you know well maybe we're not the best fit for you and that's something that obviously establishes dominance in the conversation between the business owner and the customer but it's a very tactful way of going about it, right. you know, and that's something that you could end up becoming is a higher end window cleaning service. And I mean, for example, you have a very, you have a little higher end vehicle. I mean, you could always even level up to a, like a Mercedes Sprinter van, et cetera, you know, right. you get, you know, and now I'm sure that's one of your goals probably. Right. But the fact is if you provide a service and you're known for being a great service and you're known for being a higher end service, people will pay more and they actually prefer to because it does this for them. It gives them bragging rights, which then gives them more clout with their friends and whoever they're talking to, because what they're essentially saying is I have this disposable income to pay for this. Who are you using? Right. It's the same thing with personal training. However, you cannot, charge an arm and a leg if you're not worth an arm and a leg right and that takes years of education and credentials i always say i charge what i've been worth for the last 17 years in terms of accruement of knowledge and education with yeah. personal training and fitness you don't you don't get me right now or you don't get me what i was when i started you get me right now how many assholes did we have to go on competition with a personal training that were never certified as a trainer and but because they aesthetically look more fit than us they would hire those guys nobody because they were cheaper. Than me, bro. Huh? Nobody looked more fit than me, bro. Crazy. <laughs> bro. I mean, honestly, I mean, Justin is probably the most fit fucking guy like in this area. But, <laughs> but honestly, someone like me, you know, who is not, you know, yeah, I was athletic and I was fit, you know, to, to, a, to a superior point, you know, at one time. But, you know, still people wanted to hire the guy with 22-inch arms over me. And Nobody has 22-inch arms right now. I mean, it's just, just theoretically speaking, you know, like over here, you know, I got 22s because I got two 11s, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, there were guys that were turning me away because well uh joe schmo you know he's got bigger arms than you and you know he he knows what he's doing and it's like come to find out he's not even certified and all this other stuff and i'm like i did all this education and training for all this and here i am charging 70 80 bucks an hour at a gym you know and yeah. i'm only making 20 30 commission off of it you know like it was crazy you know um sorry i didn't mean to no 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 that's yeah, good man so the biggest thing for me with personal training is you know people ask me well you're gonna go back to it and no, 
I don't think I'm not ready for it. You know, maybe sometime down the line. No, I would say do not. Yeah. And I would, I would say, I would tell you that because unless you're not going to start a personal training business and have other trainers underneath you, it's very vapious in terms of income and in terms of really, um, pursuit. Yeah. Because you're just working for the hour. And it's very, it's, it's not something that I'd recommend and especially not something I recommend to people who just know bodybuilding or just want to train their buddies. Right. Like if you know bodybuilding, fine. But if you're not versatile in other elements of fitness to match other people's goals, then no, don't do it. And if you don't care about conversating and interacting with people and persuading them to be better through said exercises or said nutrition or nutrition plans or any kind of guidance that you can give them that allows them to be a better version of who they could be. Well then don't get in this business. You know, if you're just in it for yourself and want to train your buddies and shit, that's not going to happen. You're not gonna make money. Right. I could imagine being a trainer now just because what, how much work it took. It's literally like, even if you're working for a gym, it was literally building your own business, building your own image. And so for me, like getting the amount of clientele that I had before again would take an astronomical amount of time for me, for someone that would just be getting back into it. You know, if I was like, you know, six months from personal training, you know, and I just took a six month break a little bit easier for someone like me, like I just couldn't do it. But I don't know if you remember, I I did the massage therapy school, right? Okay. So I went through massage therapy school, got certified as a massage therapist, got out of school, and then I went to go apply for some jobs. All these people are hiring for massage therapists, Sycamore, yeah. Lido, all these other places here, you know, high end places. Well, they're hiring. We need 12 massage therapists. Well, they're hiring 10 women, two men. Mm-hmm. They're not hiring six men, six women, because sure. in that industry, like it's kind of, I want to say frowned on, but you could have a 300 pound dude that wants deep tissue, but they want the five foot two little woman to massage and give them deep tissue. They don't want a guy like me who has more strength, you know? No, because it's, 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 it's sort of awkward. Yeah. Right. Right. To then get massaged by a woman. I'll get some body work. I'll get some body work done for my dudes, you know, from people that I went to school with, you know, but for some people it's kind of like a, like a pride thing. Like, no, like I don't want a man to touch me kind of thing. And I get it, you know, but like Justin was saying about, you know, if you're a personal trainer now, you know, like you're, it's hard to make it unless you actually own your own personal training business. Same thing with me graduating massage therapy. If I really invested the, 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 the time into figuring out what massage therapy is going to do for me. Like I would have just stepped away from it because I have had no luck with getting massage therapy clients. And unless you actually own a business as a male therapist, right. You wouldn't make it as, as massage therapist. Like, and that's just my own personal opinion because you know, literally, you know, I've done, I went to school for two years for it. And then literally it's like, then COVID happened. COVID happened and then it's like, well, now I don't want to touch anybody. You well, know? I mean, you can make money as a personal trainer. Right. You have to be able to collect clients mm-hmm. and you have to be able to base your schedule around when they have open opportunity, you know, your clients that is, and you can make a good amount of decent amount of money doing that, but you have to have a lot of amount of, a large amount of clients and you might want to have another income on top of it. Most of my trainers have a separate income right they don't just train even though in my training world in my gym i give them 70 percent commission on any training session that they do worry 70 percent 70 percent because amazing. i believe in the trainer bro totally, i don't believe in the fitness i believe in the fucking trainer that's awesome so i want to give them back as much as i can and still run a business yeah. so but that being said 
that on top of that, they charge elite rates because I only hire in people that are credentialed and have serious years of involvement in fitness. Right. And, and I personally vet these people. Like I, I consult with them beforehand and I make sure that they're a good fit for the business. But here's the thing. They can make a lot of money doing it that way, especially because they have zero overhead to pay for. All they have to do is come in and train. But they still have to market themselves. They still have to collect the clients. And that's where sort of the disconnect lies with most people. It's hard for them to collect the trainer or the, the clients rather because maybe they're not so um, they're not so privy to social media right. or they just don't have they have a hard time, ex, ex, you know, showcasing what they do to other people in conversation. It's hard, man. But once your name is out there and you're you're sort of sought after people gravitate to you. You don't have to do anything at that point, but you have to be willing to establish yourself and take some risk in that, in that sort of that interim period. Yeah. And I think for me, like what would have made me a a successful personal trainer, not only being mentally, like mentally checked, like actually like not just being the aesthetic guy, but also like being there for my own mental health and actually, you know, working out and, you know, focusing on myself in that aspect. But, you know, also like, make taking more of a risk you know when you know because i would be like risky of taking risk. i'd be like no like i don't want to deal with that and that's where that second income for me was so important to me so that's why i got into bartending and i mean don't get me wrong i've had great nights bartending but with bartending having that second job it was also like you know pick your poison and mine happened to be bartending because then alcohol was involved and you know i mean gosh you got a bunch of women looking at you and you're making a bunch of cocktails and you know then you're drinking and they're drinking and you know um you know again the money was great but i had to step away from the bartending as well too because even that was pretty infectious and now i'm just all focused on the business now so yeah it's risky it's risky that i'm just only doing the business right now but god i have no time to be at a bar bartending and not accepting a phone call at eight o'clock nine o'clock at night trying to get an estimate the next day you know because now i'm losing the possibility of getting another customer you know losing that income because right now at this young you know age of my business right like i have to be on top of that like i got people out there i right now in in this window cleaning world right now i deal with a bunch of different dudes women whatever um i deal with people that are drug abusers i deal with people that are just straight assholes for the customers i even deal with straight genuine people right that literally have decked out trucks like me and i have to be their competition you know they have to be my competition and so you're learning to you know uh, just again just like he was saying about austin owning quality tint and design in san Luis. that is one guy can look up to and even you as a top shelf personal trainer and as a top shelf tent um window tent uh business owner is that setting your your mountain setting your what, what's the word i'm looking for like setting your value high or yourself high because like you said like yeah i want a mercedes sprinter van decked out with pop soft wash all over it you know like um that's that's the end goal like i want to be top shelf quality i don't want to just be some guy that you hired that just has a few squeegee pieces of equipment and you know just does windows you know just generic you know like someone wants me to go detail tracks or detail solar panels you know bird proof windows or roofs or something you know that's something i want to do um but setting your standards high that's what i was yeah so that's what i was trying to get at um yeah being this business owner like just waking up every day and just going to work is so rewarding knowing that i'm here and right now this job for me is time is money because doing it by myself i mean god i've been doing four thousand square foot homes 
and it would take me eight hours to do a home at that point i don't know i was first charging maybe 300 i'm charging you know more than that now but if i'm not making you know at least over 70 bucks an hour on a job every day then i'm just not i'm not cut out for it you know i'm just not going to take that job because i can't set my standards low anymore so i gotta be able to provide for myself my family and also provide for the business in order to grow so Every day is a new learning learning possibility for me, man. Like every day is new. There's always something I'm learning, you know. Just same thing as a bartender. I've been doing bartending for ten years, and every day I was on the clock, I was always learning a new fucking drink, and I've been doing it for ten years, you know. So you may, I mean, and that's that's something that you need to effectively station out or carve out yourself. You need to carve out your own market. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you want to be the high end, well, that's fine. One, you have to develop the educate the obviously the skill to be to be right. high end to back it up, right? But the other thing is you need to cater to the market that has the disposable income that can pay for you Absolutely. and not deal with the others. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. are other window cleaning businesses that will support those people. But if your main crowd or you want to you want to have a space in the higher end market because you're a higher end cleaner, because you have everything to back it all as well. You have the tools, you have the skill, etc. You have the you have the personality, the likability, all those components are are naturally tethered together and they create that experience for the client. Well, if that's the case, then you need to anchor yourself in that higher end market and never go outwards. Right. Because if that's the case, people will talk about you in that higher end market. And because people are, have this disposable income to pay for something that's a top shelf window cleaning business. And they want to because it's bragging rights to their friends or family, whoever they talk to, once they know the name Pop Soft Wash mm-hmm. is affiliated and tethered to higher end homes right. or higher end businesses, etc. It's not about window cleaning. It's about what experience you provide to the person in the window cleaning business and the image and everything that's under the, uh, that one umbrella of Pop Soft Wash that caters to that person's understanding that look this is the top end and i'm going to pay for the top end right and when you don't venture out of that and you set your standard there and you do not deviate something happens a shift takes place within the group within the actual market and people now associate you with only the high end and they don't even call you because they know they can't afford you right but the people that can't afford you because you're being talked about amongst this culture this higher end culture, they're the only ones that call you. You don't waste your time with the people that don't have necessarily disposable income to provide or to rather uh, bring on your services. And I'm not saying that to be prejudiced here or draw a line in the sand between the rich and the poor or the blue collar and the white collar. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you have everything to boot to back you up to be the higher end window cleaning business, right? then it would behoove you to not only market yourself to the people that have and can support your needs and your desires to be have that higher end business and everything that you do on your end to support that right. higher end experience. So you will, you know, that the whole that saying you are what you attract yeah, or you attract what you are rather hundred percent. Okay. Well, if you think of yourself, as just bare bones window cleaning service. I'm just a window cleaner, blah, blah, blah. And you may have to think that way for the first few years in order to get your 
your stripes, so to speak. Right. Right. But once that happens, make a shift to the alternate market. And do not go back. Right. And I would argue that the reason why you're successful in Pop Soft Wash so at such a young, you know, uh, or such a, a early stage is because you don't have a plan B. This is the only plan. And as men, when you only have one plan, you tend to go all out on that one plan. Yeah. And you tend to put everything into that one plan. But when you have a plan B or C or whatever, you're like, eh, I don't really, you know, if this doesn't work out, fine. People think of that being smart. Yes, it is, I guess, to some degree. But I swear, something is different and it shifts when you adopt the plan A and that's it. And you've burned every other boat on the fucking water. Amen. So I would say that that's a good thing, even though to some people... The people that are comfortable and non-risk takers, yeah. that's not logical. That's not smart, Johnny. Don't do that. Don't be that I way. Hear that all the time. Okay. But they're not you. Right. They don't have your vision. They definitely don't wake up with you and go home with you every day and right. are the driving factor or impetus behind whatever you are doing. Right. So they don't get a say in this shit. Amen. They don't get a say. You're the final say. And as a man, you adopt that responsibility. Yeah. That's the you have the final say. So, plan A, yes, not that logical, very risk risky. But that's why you're not pure in the first place. Amen. Because you want to adopt that risk. If you didn't, you would have stayed at fucking Spencer's Market or California Fresh. Right. You would have stayed working at the you would have stayed working at the grocery store, you would have stayed doing personal training on the side, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. not really having a direct definitive path in life. But now you do. And I'll tell you what, and I'm not saying this shit because you're my friend. I see Pop Softwash as an elite service. And I do see you having multiple trucks. And I don't mean multiple little vans. I mean multiple sprinters with your name on the side. I actually see it also as you branching off into like doing a, a um, oh, what do I, what do you call corporation? that? Um, huh? Like corporation? No. I, I see it as being a, um. Something that people can buy and do their own. Oh, um, I don't know why I'm not, blanking not, on the word merch. Uh, I'm blanking so, on the word right now, man. Like, like, um, like having your own product to sell, you know, like uh, like your uh, pop soft wash uh, window soap or something. Is that what you're trying to get at? No, um, I, I'm blanking on the word. I don't want to get. I I don't want to. We'll think about put too much time into it. But yeah, um, I see you having not only multiple trucks, but then you branching into that end of the market where you can you can sell the business name and the business truck and everything with the business right. to somebody else that wants to start a window cleaning business yeah. and be what you are. You know, that's sort of what you would, you would obviously teach them what you know in the first, in the first, you know, I guess in developing stages of, of them buying your, your, a part of your brand, but then they would go off on their own and you would get a piece of their income. And that's what I meant earlier in the podcast. Like, you know, this is, I don't know how far I know how far I want this, business to go but am i going to be doing pop soft wash forever no because i have so many dreams and aspirations i want to do and it could be owning properties or investing to other you know companies and things like that because you know like like justin said like this is literally plan a and this is all that i have is this going for me right now and i had no business plan no business plan i literally went into this with money that i had saved and i just shoved it into this hoping that this thing is going to be able to walk on its own. I listened to a guy, he was 85 years old and he told me when you own a business, 
It doesn't take six months. It doesn't take a year. It can take up to a couple years. But a child cannot walk by itself in six months. It's got to be able to walk on its own and wipe its own ass three to four years old. So before you can actually, you know, figure, like, I just have to be committed to this idea and stay whole to it and stay strong with it until this business actually can walk on its own where I can have crews, have them go out there and start working for me and, you know, doing multiple houses in a single day. Let's just say go five to 10 homes a day. I mean, that's where I'm at. I'm doing two right now just with me and another guy. Just me and another guy. If I had two more trucks and I had two, four more people, the possibilities are fucking endless, you know? And that's where I want to be. Jonathan Davis is someone that my kids are proud of in their father for what they've provided for them. And that's where I'm at. Yeah. So, that's a, that's a, that's a good goal, right? Yeah. It's a good goal to have, you said five houses a day. Yeah. Well, okay. more, yeah. Five, five less. Yeah. Right. What will that equate to a week? Equate to, you're talking like housewise or money wise, money wise, money wise. God. So yesterday alone, no, was it yesterday? No, two days ago. Uh, I did, uh, almost a thousand in just one house and that took five hours to do thousand dollars yeah but that's gross that's gross so basically you know let's just say god i can use i can clear 2500 a week if i want to okay really gross gross yeah okay so your first goal net should be 10 a month 10 a month exactly that's your first that's your first you said goal net net yeah so gross i don't know that probably looks like 15 16k right but netting you're netting ten. You're bringing home yeah. ten. You're either to put that in your in your expenses yeah, and I mean, or I mean, your last business. month. Last month, I mean, gross. I had thirteen. So good. You know, you're on so, your way. But it's just right now. I'm like a little slow this summer. But I mean, you know, I had like again, like yeah, like two days ago was pretty amazing to have a thousand dollar day on just one home. Yeah, like, yeah. That's usually Absolutely. like two homes for me. But I upselled the crap out of that house. I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm on the roof right now. I sent a picture of her gutters to her. I'm like, your gutters look like shit. And then I sent her a picture of that. And she's like, yeah, let's get them done. So I charged per, per linear right. foot for the gutters. And then she had 12 more solar panels that she told me. And she didn't know that, you know. Um, you know, then I offered some roof cleaning, some sidewalk cleaning. Boom. I mean, $1,000 a day in five hours. Yeah, yeah. That's 200 That's 200 bucks an hour to me before paying out, you know, my other guy. You right, know? right, So, right. But I mean, God, you know, I told you earlier that I, if I'm not making 70 an hour, what am I doing? You know, I literally made 180 an hour pretty much the other day, you know, and that's, that's a blessing, you know, to get to that point. It's motivational to me. Yeah, exactly, man. So, and that's the thing you, you, you levy on that motivation. So now your, I guess your first, your first goal was the $78 an hour, right? Yeah. You set that goal. Nobody else said that goal. You could have set it at 110, 120, 180, but you set it at 70. That's your first goal. You met that goal. You're, probably continuing to meet that goal but what comes after you match those goals or you meet those goals rather you have to now level up more and how do you level up how do you level up in your business based on everybody all your competition you don't worry about competition right you only stay focused on what you're doing with pop soft wash you only make your experience for the customer better more refined more tailored to that person because there's got to be something that sets you apart or else you're just like the rest and now you have competition but you're in the market where you can have zero competition because you're so different from everybody else even though you just window clean it's not about the window cleaning business it's about what experience you give people when they interact with you because that means 
everything. Right. It's not about just because I can showcase how to do a deadlift or a squat and fix technique and shit with my eyes behind my basically with my eye my what's that expression? My eyes anyways. Because because I can do that shit yeah. not fucking even looking because I'm so understanding of the actual movement mechanics. It doesn't mean that I have to provide something that is different than the other trainer because you can get that shit on YouTube. So why do people come to me to train them? Why do they, I would, here's the, here's the big question. How come I retain people for fucking years when my job is to get you flying on your own? Because they like spending their time with me. They want to spend their dollar to spend time with me, to interact with me. It's not because I'm me. It's because of what I dispense with and how I dispense and how I make them feel. That's all genuine for sure, but it's a part of the experience. So if you're not giving them that same experience when you are with the customer and they don't feel that authenticity or they don't feel that type of, they don't feel like you care, right? Right. And you're just there to do a job. Well, then they're not going to pay the premium dollar. And then you can't carve out your name in the industry as a premium window cleaning service. So now you're just defaulted to all the rest. Right. And I don't think that's your, that's what you, that's your directive in this, or rather your, your, your mindset in this pursuit. I think you want to be one of the best, if not the best in the area, Amen. but you have to section yourself out from the rest. And how do you do that? Right. And that's just being that top quality service and giving that experience, like you said, to the customer and just being that top shelf company like that's what i want to be like look how many car detail companies are out there i can only name a couple right now that i actually give two shits about because they actually give that top quality service right the others they're literally just out there just to make a buck and having the cheapest price possible and that's what i don't want to be like i want to be able to be that top shelf service and offer those array of services to people where i'm taking all the money you know but the people that want a top shelf service you know and I love how you say earlier about your personal training, about uh, having your clients fly on their own, right? I wish more personal trainers were like that because personal trainers, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've seen them in this area where they don't care if you f- have them, if, if they teach them to fly on their own, they just want them to come back because maybe they're just not giving that top shelf service like you are, right? But for you to give that top shelf service, but be like, hey, I don't want you, you know, I, I don't... I, I should be able to teach you to do this on your own, but because you offer that top shelf service, right? There's days where I'm working out and I need somebody to help motivate me. And that's something that Justin can be for somebody as a, you know, a personal trainer to their client and be able to provide that elite service to them. And they've been already ready to be on their own for the last couple of years, but they're still coming back to Justin because he offers that top shelf service, you know, and, and that's motivational, you know, being able to offer that service. Like I have reoccurring clients that I've already done probably four or five times already, right? And that's awesome because they could easily go hit up somebody else. But because I gave them that experience and I gave them that great attitude and, you know, when I come back, I always do a walk around the house, make sure that all my streaks are cleaned up, make sure that everything's picked up. I'm not leaving any water residue on the window seals or anything. Like those are those things that people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And they're also looking for me. The biggest thing for me, that's why it made me, when I say successful, I would say, just better standing with the business than anyone else in this area because my social media appearance is so strong when it comes to this business that it's my resume. 
Like that is what I consider my social media appearance. It's like sure. people nowadays, like our age that are now going to be owning homes, right? They don't give a fuck about looking at the Tribune. They don't look at newspapers no yeah. more. They're looking on Facebook, TikTok, Reels, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. That's what people are hiring. Of course, you can go place your Google and Yelp ad. I don't know how many people on my Google or Yelp are under the age of 60 years old. None. Everyone else under the age of 60 is using social media platforms. So me yeah. having that social media appearance is why I'm better than all these other companies that are out there right now. And if I can give any advice, if they're watching this, better get your social media appearance up because I'm beating you right now. And, you know, and that's how it is. So I just, you know, again, I just want to offer that top shelf service. So, bro, I appreciate you for everything that you've, you've, and when I say this taught me and when I say teach, like you literally always portrayed this top shelf person to me that literally this person is so genuine and has such a big heart and is so motivational and inspirational that literally like that is how I want to live my life because of people like you that have always given that top shelf friendship and that quality of a friend that you are to me all these years when I come in and I say hi I mean you remember me being you know 60 pounds heavier you know not too long ago it's just like I did not look good at all you know but having people like you in my corner and being as motivating and inspiring as you are even during this podcast like how much I've just picked up and just learned from you you know as a person and seeing how successful you are only makes me want to be a more better and successful business owner and person alone you know so and that goes far so thank you bro yeah of course um this is my redemption, you know, literally from where I was years ago. Like this is, this is my time and there's no going back on this. You know, this is literally my final time where you're going to be seeing Johnny Davis go back in the dark, right? This is, I'm now just going forward. So this is my redemption. This is my rebuttal. So this is what I'm doing to better myself. So you're doing an awesome job, man. And, and you know, there's, there's some differences with training and window cleaning, obviously, (laughs) but the one thing that I would say that's been very liberating for me and, and probably been uh, to some degree a little bit of what I can formally levy on is the fact of why I've been had. If I have any success at all, this is the reason why. It's because, in at least in my business, it's only about being personal. Training exists probably like four or five percent of the equation. People are not going to come back to you if they don't like you. They don't like spending time with you. Well, if they don't like you as a window cleaner, it doesn't matter how good your job is. They're not going to call you back because they just don't want to interact with you. Because at the core, you're dealing with humans. You're not dealing with robots. So that makes... It's, it's one thing to attain. It's another thing to retain. Right. And retaining is a lot harder if you're not cut out for the, to be in the business that you are in and you can just provide one quick, you know, one quick shot service and then that's it. Right. But you need retention. We all need retention. You know, I say that I want my clients to fly away, but here's the thing. They just don't want to fucking leave the nest because they're not even though they have tools, et cetera, to do this thing on their own, they don't want to because they might, they might falter on themselves, but they know they're not going to falter on me. They're not going to disappoint me. Right. But that's sort of an accountability I hold to them. And then they keep me in the, in the rotation because that keeps them accountable as well. 
but it's if if more people and this goes for real estate this goes for the service industry industry for sure this goes for anything that you do that re- that in revolves around people which is fucking everything yeah okay even if you're selling glasses you're making glasses for people sunglasses well that revolves around people so if you if you give a shit more about being personable and chameleonizing to the person in a genuine respect then you have that person it has everything to do with the way you speak how you're able to receive the person what you dispense back with body language eye language etc all these things are very very important now if you're not a people person it may not work in your favor right you may need a front runner you may need someone in the front end to deal with people right but every successful business I would I would honestly go on a ledge and say this that every successful business has to have an owner that they like to do business with or else it's not going to be anything man because even if you're a top flight anything if you're unrelatable if you're unrelatable to people and you're a prick and you're not empathetic etc now look there are times i'm not empathetic but for the purposes of the conversation that's based on the person their circumstances if I does if I believe that they need empathy in that time or they need a dose of reality, right? There's a difference. And I dispense with I make that distinction in real time in the conversation based on the emotion or the mood that the person's displaying to me, and I'm getting feedback from and then I'm I'm delivering. But that's all dependent on the person, the circumstance, the situation, etc. But if you're able to, de- to to delineate that in that regard, then you'll be very powerful. In the trajectory of your business, in the evolution of your business, in the curation of your business, etc. But if you're not, and you crumble, or you don't know what to do, then I would argue that you have a, a sooner expiration date. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You know, that's one thing is learning the the sympathetic and empathy. You know, being having sympathy and having empathy in the process of my growth. You know, and that this whole time. I was so worried about my story, my image and wanting to get that story out that it was so unattractive to clients and friends and family of mine where everyone has a fucking story they want to say, you know, I just, I just told a little bit of a cliff note to mine just because, you know, it was brought up, but you know, everyone has a fucking story and if everybody just kind of dropped that image or that, that that their life purpose is to tell their story, you know, um, having more sympathy and empathy, like you're just going to go a far way, you know? And I, I, I listened to a podcast and I remember you brought up the word about being humble and then that guy called you out on it. And, you know, hum, humbling is, you know, lowering yourself to other people. Right. And so the problem is there's three definitions to humble. Okay. And he mentioned the third definition. Got it. So Got he it. didn't mention the first iteration of the definition. This okay. was, this was, uh, you're talking about Brad Lee, right? Yeah. So this, he mentioned the third iteration, I believe of the definition. If you Google or your Webster's dictionary, right. humble, there's three, I believe there's three iterations of the word humble yeah. in terms of defining it. And he, he clarified one iteration and the iteration that, I, I don't know if I had mentioned it. It's a long time ago since that podcast yeah. was done, but I, I can't remember if I, if I said it or I was thinking in my head, but what I was thinking was the first iteration and there was 
so I guess we're both right and correct in terms of what the definition of humble means, but it's how you, I guess how it was used in context matters, but the iterations are both those iterations were there, what he was saying and, and, um, and what I was thinking or or what I said, but anyways, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, um, I just, for, for me, like what I took from that podcast was not lowering myself, you know, below people because it was important that for me, like I, one, not only focus on my family, but focus on myself most of all, because, um, you know, I was so, so helping my family and helping others and not worrying about my mental health check and, you know, things like that, where, you know, once I got that fixed, you know, in a sense, I'm still working on it. I think everyone's still working on themselves every single day that having that sympathy and empathy, that, that empathy for other people and the sympathy for yourself, you know, that, I grew a lot from that and that has just made me into a better business owner. Um, Same time, not lowering my prices just because you have a sad story. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, being that genuine business owner and having that top shelf service is just what has given me just one, one foot step ahead than other businesses and stuff. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, this is my redemption. If you would have known me five years ago, by the way, do you still have people that hit you up when I hit you up, but still tell people, well, don't trust that guy. You know, that guy's bad news or that guy's a shithead or he's an asshole, you know, from like the 10 years ago, they might've known you, you know, cause I remember, I remember people like, you know, they're, we won't go into names or anything, but like, I know that, you know, it's happened to me where people are like, well, this guy 10 years ago, like, you know, can't trust him, you know, or, or, you know, he's bad news or he's fake, you know, like, mm-hmm. of course, you know, maybe, maybe I was, you know, maybe I wasn't the best person I was 10 years ago, but if you would have known me then, and if you actually get to know me now, I'm completely transformed. Like who I am as a person. Sure. Like, like do you, do you still, do you still at all get that? Like around, like, no, it's fizzled out. It's fizzled out. If yeah. I was, if, I mean, I was a punk ass in my, in my teens and I mean, early twenties, you know, but, but yeah. I still had, I was still conscientious about what I did. Got it. So, and I never drank or smoke or anything. So I was never in inhibited mm. by any, by any substance. So I was able to make a little bit better decisions with my, with my free time. Interesting. But that, that being said, I still um, I was conscious about what I did, but I still was also a shithead to some degree. And, you know, when it came to, um, I don't know, you know, talking to somebody or what have you, but that was more like in my teens, like yeah. high school, man. Like, you know, I, I really started thinking really hard about it last night. Cause you know, there's still people out there that are like, yeah, I don't trust this guy. You know, whoever I was 10 years ago, you know, just, just some douchebag, you know, and one you know, or two or five. Oh uh, God. You know, I, I, I'm going to say five, you know, honestly, I'm just saying like, honestly, like there's still people out there that are haters and you know, it is what it is, you know, but to me it's like, you know, one person starts hating on me and then they start going tell another person not to trust me. And then that person looks at my social media and they're like, Hey, this guy doesn't sound like this guy. Like, look, you know, exactly. look, look, look what he's putting out. And I'm like, so keep advertising me. Here's the you thing, know? man. Here's the thing. You need to work in silence and not pay attention to Amen. comments or people yapping on the sidelines yeah. because the thing is, is that that's always going to happen even Perfect. if you're a multi-millionaire window cleaning company. Yeah. It's always going to happen. People love to shit on people that are doing better than them and people love to bring you back to the past because that's where they reside. And that's what I was getting at. Like, I love the haters. You know, it's like, please, like, keep... No, no, it's not even about loving haters. It's yeah. about not recognizing them at all. Right. I don't go on and look... My sound engineer, shout out to Ramon Capamore. 
He knows that I don't listen to, I don't look at comments. I don't look at analytics. I don't pay attention to the fucking numbers. I don't yeah. give a shit. Good. All I care about is putting out a, an actual real conversation that has relatability to people on the other end. Right. And to hopefully can give them a, 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 a sort of glimmer of hope for their potential future. Totally. That's all I care about, man. That and then delivering a word when I do solo sessions. But the fact of the matter is you're always going to have those people it, they don't matter though. Yeah. It, they don't matter because they're always going to exist. Don't, please don't be one of those people that says, fuck, you know, I, I don't care about the haters. You're, you're making my life better. You know what? No, dude, nobody likes haters at all. Mm. And I'll be, I'll be very frank with you. Nobody likes haters and haters affect everybody unless you're a narcissist or yeah. a psychopath. Yeah. Okay. In that event, you may like, you may genuinely like the haters, but you yeah. have a personality disorder to boot. Yeah. So there's not really much, um, there, there's not, that doesn't really bode in your favor in that regard. But here's the thing. They're always going to exist. People always want to bring you back to the past. People don't understand evolution because they're not evolving. They don't understand the developmental process because they haven't developed past what they were, what you knew them as. And so instead of saying, oh, I love the haters say what haters. Yeah. I don't know of any haters. Got it. Because you don't see them. They don't exist, man. And you can be delusional and think that. It's the only thing I'll give you clearance on to be delusional about. Just don't think about them. They don't exist, man. Because I could appreciate you saying that more now, you know, and that just that what haters. Because giving them love is effectively giving them energy. You're giving energy to them in some regard. I give zero energy to anybody who doesn't support me in my progression. Yeah. I give zero energy. That means even if you're contentious towards me, I don't give you any energy. Even if it's boating in my favor because it's increasing the algorithm for the comments or whatever. No, no, no. Ghost. Nothing. I'm glad I brought this conversation up, honestly, just because, I mean, kind of just like an eye-popping, you know, thing, you know, because I always thought, you know, just like that, that loving the haters because they're just going to advertise you and then people are going to find out who you are as a real person, you know, but then you saying just not giving any attention to detail, not giving them any type energy, of just energy or anything, you know, because you know, it's true. You know, one of those things like giving them the energy, I mean, they're just going to keep talking. So, you know, I get it. I get, I get where you're coming from. You to know, be honest I'm, with I'm you still were... learning from that, you know? And so I'm, sure. I'm, I'm and processing look, all that right now. You to know? be honest, people say loving the haters is gimmicky. They only say it because everybody else says it, that, and they think that they're taking a superior position by saying that you're Mm. not, you're just feeding into the already immersed trend that people say nobody does. Nobody wants fucking haters. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a, a look. Everybody wants to be accepted. More people want to be accepted than not accepted. Right. Okay. Unless, like I said, and nobody wants contention with people. The reason why people will say I love the haters is to essentially shove under the rug their feelings in the, their innate feelings or proclivity to want to be accepted. Like this doesn't bug me. No motherfucker that bugs you, but you're going to deal with it and battle with it in regard of actively saying, Oh no, I don't care. Right. I love the haters. I'll one up you. I love you. No, you don't. You're being inauthentic effectively by saying that. Because every one of us human beings, A, wants to find our tribe, want to be accepted. So when people don't accept us, 
That's kind of a problem to most people. Most sane, non-personality disorder-oriented people have a fucking problem with that. Because you should. Because us as humans are meant to be civilized and come into communion with one another and interact with one another. That's how we built a civilization in the first place. So for you to say, I love the I love the people that are talking shit about me, you're effectively being inauthentic in my in in my opinion. No. You don't like them, and because you don't like them and because they're not helping your progression, don't give them any energy, period. Got it. No, I feel you. No, I understand. I understand. You know, I mean, like you said, it's, it can be more like a niche thing. You know, for me, I just felt like it's benefited me um, in a sense of, you know, I get people that, you know, hear BS and then they follow me. And then, you know, I've had people reach out to me like, oh, like, I can't believe that that person said anything about you because you're actually this real genuine like type of person, you know, like, you know, let's just throw authentic out there. You know, it's just like really like this is who you are now, who you were 10 years ago, you know, people don't understand that movement of evolution, you know, like how people can literally change their whole life around. Like today you could be 54 years old, be a drug abuser and evolve and be this complete different person by the time you're 60 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. But people are still going to think of you as that 54 and what you were doing for the last 54 years of your life but won't see what the growth you did in a couple of years, you know, to get to that point now where you're at now. So, you know, so I guess going into that, you know, I mean, people talk, you know, all the time, you know, this is like I said earlier in the podcast, like this is my redemption. This is my rebuttal, you know, of course, you know, at one point in my life, like what people had to say about me affected me so bad. Like literally like, of course I didn't want anybody to talk shit about me. You know, I guess more of like loving the haters when I meant by that was more like, okay, like not giving them the time. Right. And if you want to keep spewing by all means, but at one point it's going to die off. You know, I'm not out there posting, love the haters, you know, keep advertising my shit. Cause that's when I'm not putting that out there in that, that universe. Um, other than just in that image of me, but I'm not like posting on a story like, Hey, love the haters, keep sharing, you know, like, you know, it's share my content, you know, do whatever you want to do. It's just more like, you know, move on, you know, love your enemy. I mean, that's how I have always thought about. So, but I mean, your side of it is really amazing. And, you know, like I understand where you're coming from on it too. So I like that. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate that, man. And look, I mean, your work, you're working right now. You should just work in silence, man. And let your, let your accolades speak for themselves. The actions. That's all that really matters. And, yeah. and, and that's really the true art of being humble is working in silence and not, not having to promote this specific bravado that is not you. The bravado will invent itself if you pay the energy requisite of developing that bravado. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Now, when you say just work in silence, you know, that's something I'm still trying to hone and understand because you know, uh, you know, I learned from other people's actions, you know, I mean, that's kind of like what we touched base off in the first part of the business or first part of the podcast was like things like, you know, I posted yesterday on my story, like where I was before with that ugly F E three fifty to where I am today. Like, is that in a sense not working in silence or is that 
do you think that's helping my business is just showing like before and after like no what do you, what do you mean by, okay cool like, yeah yeah trying to understand like you know like the working in silence part working you know? in silence is essentially you being humble at all times because people that work and they're loud about it mm. they only want to develop more of a crowd yeah but when you're in it for for when you're in it for not the crowd's sake not clout's sake but development's sake provisionary sake right being your better version or at least the version you could be that's what matters man i'll give it to you like this if i ever get ready for a bodybuilding competition you won't fucking know about it because i'm never going to go in the gym with a tank top on and show off any shreds i'm never going to fucking tell anybody about it i'm just going to show up at the event center that's what you're saying so that's working in silence it's tantamount to anything you do in life but here's the thing Many people need their ego stroked and they need to feel like other people solidify them or co-sign them in the process. So because of that, they will speak about what they're doing. Right. You're by you promoting your business. All you're doing is marketing. Marketing is not, not working in silence. Yeah. But I mean, even years ago, man, like doing the personal training for me, like I had, and you could agree, disagree, but I had a high ego like who I was as a person, like I felt I did because, and when you say working in, working in silence, like I wasn't working in silence, always posting workout videos or just being a dude in the gym, you know? And, and that's just how I felt, you know? Cause like, you know, doing the whole, you know, training Kevin to work out and all this other stuff, you know, like there, it could have been, it could have been, uh, out on social media a little bit different. I think, you know, like the way I portrayed him, like as like my staple into like the personal training thing, you know, was, you know, like you said, working in silence, you know, things like when I was trying to get ready for the bodybuilding competition, like having videos every effing day when I was working out, like that was not working in silence. So when you said ego had to be stroked, mine did get stroked. Like literally like when I went through that whole issue in 2018, 2019 with find out who my daughter biologically was not mine, all the other stuff, like that was my check. Like that was like, whoa, I'm here. It brought me all the way down to here. And I had to work myself back up to that point now where I'm having to be humble in a sense where, you know, um, I'm tend to be working in science right now because I'm still working on it. Um, but being sympathetic, empathetic, and then also just changing my mental check, you know, literally doing what I'm doing for my own mental health mm -hmm. and being stronger, you know, and maybe if it inspires or motivates somebody on the way, fuck yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's just, you know, but who I was, you will, by, because you're leading by example, man. Right. And many people don't lead by example. They only lead for purposes of the, the bravado that follows. Right. But that's going to have an expiration date. But when you lead by example and you have purpose behind the lead, that shit doesn't expire until you expire. Right. I love that. That's awesome. Well, let's end it there, man. Hey, I appreciate you. Listen, man, tell people where they can find you. Uh, hey, so if you want to find me on social media, uh, you can follow Pop Softwash on Instagram or Real Johnny Davis. That's with two Y's. You can find me on Facebook, Johnny Davis, J-O-N-N-Y Davis. Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I'll be around. All, all of them. All, all of them. them. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you, brother. Hey, brother. Appreciate you, man. Done. Sweet. <laughs>